Welcome to Casting Nets, a real podcast about real life and living faith. I am one of the hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. Uh, this uh, podcast is also being cross-posted on another podcast, a daily podcast called Raised with Jesus. It is where the life of Jesus meets yours. It's a daily podcast, a hodgepodge of a collection of podcasts from all over from put together by a Wells pastor. So it's all Wells material, but it's every day there's something on there. So he was looking for some content and I guess his standards got to a certain point that he said, maybe we'll have casting nets on there as well. So today I am joined with uh, our guest, uh, Pastor James Enderly, pastor at Mor- um, Mount at Morrison Zion. I kept saying Mount Zion. Morrison Zion Lutheran Church in Morrison, Wisconsin. He was, uh, we introduced him in our last podcast. And also we have another special, special guest, uh, Pastor Will Harley, who was the founder of this podcast. Uh, normally he was not going to be doing any podcast in the month of December because of all of the preparation involved and also the preparation involved uh, at his congregation for Christmas. But I said, here, just come and talk for an hour. And he said, I can do that. And I can I'm that. good at talking for an hour. <laughs> so, so he is here with us. Uh, he is uh, the uh, the guest, the our guest, and also one of our co-hosts here on the Casting Net podcast. Our topic for today is looking at part two about what it means to be a church member. We're looking at Tom Rainier's book. I am a church member. We're, we're responding to that from a Lutheran point of view, and also looking at our own con- congregations and our ministries in an honest way, and also using the scriptures. And as we do so, we have to have a disclaimer. So the disclaimer is that uh, we're just a bunch of pastors who are sharing our thoughts. Um, If you don't like exactly what we say or how we say it, please contact us either through our congregations. On Sunday, you can always find us usually at our churches. Um, You can also contact us at uh, castingnetspod at gmail.com, and we'll respond to you that way. Uh, You can get us on Facebook. We have a a Facebook presence that you you can join us there and and uh, and contact us if if we've offended you. It's not our intention, um, but hopefully we will also absolve you um, and and give to you the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That being said, if it is so bad that you decide you cannot stand listening to to Pastor Rudot's voice, um, <laughs> there are other voices here as well. <laughs> you yeah. you you may you may just uh, uh, shut us off and go to another podcast and then please come on back and and listen again. Although um, although I do have a voice for print, I admit you, that you do. You have a voice for print. Um, that means he doesn't really have a voice that people like to listen to. For for those who who were waiting to catch up to that one. Um, other than that, I think that's pretty much our our, our disclaimer. And so um, I'm going to hand it back to to the guys who are leading this discussion. They invited me to join them on on giving some some comedy and levity into the group. And so um, I might pipe up here and there, but uh, let us go to our introduction and on to the show.
Does church membership still matter? Uh, it is a question that is being wrestled with not just in our own circles, but throughout organized religion. There is a book uh, written by Tom Rainier about I am a church member, trying to address it from that point of view. Uh, it's a, 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 an epidemic, a pandemic, a, a problem, which is a problem from generation to generation of members looking at their church membership as something that is a membership card like this is something where i get uh, benefits and things but not something that i participate in uh churches what i get rather than churches what i what i do being a church member we've been looking at the the book and now we are on chapter four chapter four talks about uh praying for our church leaders and the relationship between our church leaders and the congregation and what the congregation members if you're a member how do you view your relationship with your pastor so I think I summed it up okay, uh, James, but can you uh, kind of bring us, lead us through that topic? Yeah, and a big focus here is it, it, it emphasizes praying for uh, church leaders and specifically pastors, but then emphasizing whoever that leader might be, uh, if that's your, your elders, your leadership team, uh, for, for your called workers, which would include uh, teachers, uh, and how do you uh, interact, how do you respond? Mainly, uh, the biggest emphasis here is praying for them. And it, it starts out with a, a really interesting picture where it's, it's going through a day in the pastor's life. And one of the, the big issues sometimes is what does a pastor do? <laughs> what, is, what is the job of a called worker? What is their life like? Sometimes the joke is what pastors work uh, one day a week for an hour. I think that's the two yeah. if you have to teach Bible two, study. Yeah, yeah, and we have three services, so you know. Three oh, three hours. hours. You're you're better Bible than study. the most. Yeah, you know, so a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, and and I one thing I was thinking of too is uh, to give a little context of our experiences or where we're coming from. I think it's neat to to show what our churches are like. Um, I'm at a congregation of about a little over 700. Uh, we have two pastors, but I'm the the first second pastor that they've had. It's been around for. Uh, 160 years, but I'm their first, second pastor, and I've been there about two and a half years. Uh, but about 700 members and a school of about 70. Uh, what are your guys' your... Our membership is around 200. Uh, we used to have a school until 2012, and so we are, you know, 10 minutes away from Zion Morrison. So um, our, we also support Morrison Zion School. Uh, we have indirectly supported the school. We've also had uh, scholarship funds now for anybody who wants to attend that now that you're on school choice and all those things. So we're still a, a strong supporter of the school there and for our parents to send kids to the school, but we don't have a school. So we are also a congregation that had used to have a partner in ministry, St. Paul's and Greenleaf. And for the good of the ministry of the area, uh, Greenleaf decided to close, give their building to another church that's uh, needed a place to stay until they built their new church, which was only three miles away. So this is all kind of the, you know, what, uh, the part of uh, uh, the area of the country where the Wisconsin Synod is very strong and lots of congregations. And so the uh, the need to have congregations so close together isn't there anymore because of transportation and whatnot. So we're trying to transition to a ministry model where we have, where we're, uh, using better use of our the gifts that we've been given to us so that's where my congregation is at so we've got now we're down to one congregation and so now it's what what are we going to do now now we've always been yoked with somebody else so it's always kind of hindered the ministry of that congregation because they were always yoked with another congregation well how's how's this going to look for in greenleaf and 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 so on now it's hey we're all by ourselves 
what are we going to do? And and I think it's good to bring up, we'll bring up Will's in a second, but uh, of your experience of, of what you as a pastor have been doing for the last several years of, of serving two congregations and then now working through the closing of a congregation and kind of the emotions of that and and what that means for you and, and those people. And so uh, while it's, you know, uh, maybe a lot of context and things, this is showing you a little bit of how different every ministry is and what we're dealing with, what, what, what your ministry entails, uh, and, and gives you a little context of, of how different ministries are and what uh, pastors experience in their work. Uh, and I would say for, for St. John, where I serve, um, we're kind of smack dab right in the middle of the both of you. We have 350, 360 members, um, <clears throat> and we have a school and we have a daycare. And so I'm the only pastor. And so it's a little bit different than having uh, a bigger type of institution where you have two pastors working uh, on the field. Um, kind of the same layout, though. You have a school and daycare, right? Uh, uh, no daycare. No daycare, just a school. Um, so we, there's another element that's added to that with with non-called employees um, and working with them and some of them not necessarily being Lutheran and, and, and how do we how do we work around those and in, in sharing the, the gospel message? Um, so there's a, I think it's, it's, it's kind of neat having the perspective just around this table as I look and, and you have, you know, Pastor Rudat coming from a, um, a dual parish uh, situation or dual congregation situation down to one, um, having a school, no longer having a school um, and, and trying to find their place to a, a pretty substantial bigger entity and then kind of the one in the middle mm-hmm. that's that's floating around. So that's where we are. And and a lot of this whole discussion deals with, you know, our membership is 720 or more, and our membership has grown, but uh, our attendance has shrunk uh, throughout. I think we used to be weekly attendance around 340, uh, three, uh, um, low th- 300s, and now we're sometimes 250. Um, so uh, what does it mean to be a member? What does it mean to be active? And... Yeah, you know, we've kind of gotten off the, the subject, but this gives you a little basic uh, basis of where we're coming from. And again, some of the things that pastors are responsible for and dealing with uh, from a day to day basis. Well, and I would I would just add into that, you know, even even if you take out the responsibility for because I, I don't I don't think everything on the day to day is necessarily the responsibility of the pastor, although he's an oversight in many ways. But I think I think what it comes down to, which which sort of plays into into this this particular chapter and this particular topic, is the fact that it is something that is of a concern of the pastor. So it's on his heart and mind as he's going around, you know. And if someone doesn't do it, then it will fall to him to have to pick up and figure it out. Um, so I think that's where it plays in, along, amongst everything else that I'm sure you're going to get into here. Um, it plays in that there are these other concerns in the background as well. And yeah, so back, back to the book where he says we should be praying for our church leaders. And he gets that idea, not just from himself, but from Ephesians chapter six, uh, reading verses uh, 18, where, where the apostle Paul says at every opportunity, pray in the spirit with every kind of prayer and petition, stay alert for the same reason, also persevering in your intercession for all the saints. So he's talking about praying for everybody, but he also includes himself in verse 19, when he says, pray for me also that when I open my mouth, a message will be given to me that boldly reveals the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may speak about it boldly as it is necessary for me to speak. I, I think that's key because it, uh, I think the, the book's uh, emphasis is to remind, and 
remind God's people as they are talking about their pastor that this is someone whom God has placed in their lives uh, to minister to them, but he he's a human being, uh, and he is not infallible. He's a sinful human being as well, and he needs your support. Well, one way for a person sitting in the pew to support their pastor is to actually pray for them. Yeah, and then there's uh, three big sections it, it, it speaks about, and I think we can go into some details about each of them, but it says pray for him and his family, pray for his protection, pray for his physical and mental health. Uh, the protection is a little bit of what you spoke about where pastors to be above reproach. Uh, we don't want them to be falling into to gross uh, sins, not saying they're perfect. Uh, they're, they're a sinner just like everyone else, but to, to protect them because uh, when a, a church leader does fall away or does sin, it, it, it does affect the church in a, in a, in a, in a major way. Then, then maybe uh, uh, to go to the, the, the family, um, <laughs> that, this is one of the really interesting parts of, of, of it where the, the pastor has two calls. Uh, the pastor is called to serve as a husband and uh, a father um, for, for those who are married. Uh, and and also to to serve the church, and where do those rank, is is a good question. And well, and I think I mean we've discussed that on on the podcast before, where where really the ranking should be your first call as Christian, right? Your then your call as husband, your call as father, and then your your fourth call as pastor, um, in in that order. But I think where you're going. And maybe you're not going there, but I know what hits in, in my heart and mind is so often, as, as sort of was detailed in the in the the book, we kind of flip that around, and and the job kind of starts taking precedence over the family, and it's almost as if the family takes the side seat, and whatever's left over gets to they, that's what they get left. And and I think I think it's fair to even bring this up that in the in the past, um, and and a lot of and like our congregation's been served by one pastor for for many years, and there's a lot of huge congregations that were served by one pastor, and and it was the pastors were, were pouring their life into the the church and the gospel ministry and, and neglecting family. I think it's it's a real thing of of a generation and for a long time, and things have shifted where sometimes newer pastors are. Uh, emphasizing time with their family and and maybe putting family first in a lot of ways, which again isn't a horrible thing, but you you have these swings uh, where okay i'm I'm really focusing on on the work of the gospel in the church and maybe neglecting family, but then now are some fo- over focusing on the family, which i mean <laughs> that's a, it, it's a hard to say that, but uh, is it to a point where they're neglecting their ministry and their gospel? And, and how do you get those things to, to have a, a nice middle ground? Well, and I think this is where that prayer comes in, right? That, and, and, and maybe, maybe a little motivation beyond prayer is to say, uh, to be active within the, the life of your pastor's family. Um, you know, when, when you see pastor's wife at church, you know, be encouraging and, and ask, is there things that I can help with in prayer or things that are coming up that maybe I should be praying about? You know, this is a stressor. Um, you know, I'm, I'm th- I just think about 
what's going on just in the last couple of weeks. And you're all in the same boat because we're all doing planning for Christmas and we're all getting planning for, for, you know, we have this year, Christmas Eve, Christmas day, and the first Sunday after Christmas, and it's all in a row. And then it's new year's and then it's Christmas too. And you're ripping your hair out. Cause you're like, okay, we've got all of these services. You're lucky. You got someone else who can jump on in. Um, but you know, we're, I, I haven't seen my wife except for, Hey, how are you? Here's a kiss. And then I'm gone you know, for the last week. Um, and, and you're thinking that's not healthy, but, but you know, the, the members, and maybe that's our fault, don't know about that because I, I, and maybe I'm wrong at this too. You know, I think I'm doing my job well when no one sees the problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've done my job when they don't see, they're like, everything is smooth. Everything is going well. Well, then I did my job because that's, you know what I mean? I wanted to back up a little bit for for listeners who are looking listening to this and saying, why is it so important for the pastor to be at home with his family? Uh, it does talk about that in the pastoral epistles, and we talked about that in our podcast. And I think in the Race with Jesus, there was also a pastoral epistle podcast, so you can look at those as well. And the emphasis is, in the, and I think the point is, is that the skills are transferable. So as you are tra- as you are dealing with your members of your congregation, those things are going to help you deal with your members in your home family. And as you're dealing with members of your own family, those skills are transferable to the congregation, such as we've got two people who don't get along. you got kids that don't get along. you got a wife that uh, it, it is uh, struggling with her needs, and you think, well, how can I, how can I help and serve them? Um, how can I communicate? Because uh, we're not we don't come out of the womb perfect communicator. So just this whole idea of learning the skills that happens in the family is also transferable to the church family uh, as we deal with one another. So that's where I see the wisdom in the Holy Spirit uh, telling us through the Apostle Paul to be family members, uh, family men, uh, and to spend time with our families. And that's why it's always listed first. However, I would push back a little bit on trying to rank like what's more important. I would say I would look at it and say it's more of a complementary nature where there there's an ebb and flow. Sometimes your family at home is going to be more important. Sometimes your church family is more important. But there's there's always this ebb and flow. So your pastor is never going to say, "Well, my family is more important than uh, you visiting you because your loved one is in the hospital and they are about to die." Uh, nope, my, it's my son's basketball game. I got to go to my son's basketball game. There's a there's an ebb and flow, the complementary nature between the two uh, that a pastor will will deal with, and I think our our members may not be able to see that uh, in a pastor's life just because they expect him. Maybe they expect him to be to be in a certain place at a certain time, and when he's not there, they go, "Well, what what is he possibly doing? Pastors at home, what is he possibly doing? What what ministry is he doing?" And instead, a member is to say pastor is spending time with his family that's a good thing because that's going to help him take care of us well and and i think that maybe he has some connections to to that third part of what we pray for right physical and and mental health um my last call i could measure i i i could i could measure the 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 progression of burnout <laughs> you, you know where 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 you could see it and you know you saw it in the eyes where where the bags start coming under the eyes and and you could see there was some some stress lackluster and maybe the glimmer of of your pastor who is who's bending you know healthy and engaging and 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 things and then all of a sudden it's maybe in more of the physical sense of you know now he's starting to put on a little bit more weight or or he's you know becoming a little bit more sluggish and then there's this mental break where maybe he's starting to to um 
react differently when someone comes up. Maybe he's a little bit more short and doesn't have the time. And I wonder if some of that, I mean, just as you look at the list, it all kind of plays together, right? You know, a, a pastor who who is neglecting his family is not, uh, in the background, there's guilt there that that's coming onto the pastor. A pastor who is, it, it, what was the second one here? Um, the protection. The protection. So a pastor who's dealing with, you know, um, the temptations that are being thrown his way um, for either the job or or even just in life in general, um, they start to wear on you and, and it all builds up to you. There are physical and mental signs of this. Um, and, and maybe, maybe it would be a wonderful encouragement for our people to look for those things. Yeah. And, and I think a key thing that you said was, you know, it, you said something about doing your job when people don't see the weaknesses or the problems, but they're there and you can't hide them or bury them for so long and if you're not dealing with them it's going to blow up or you're going to burn out or uh, there's going to be problems and i think a couple ways uh, of that that progress have been made on this um, i'm a part of a pastor's coaching program called cross train and they're really focused on three parts uh that that work with resiliency the the physical the spiritual and the emotional resiliency of a pastor and uh, we read a book uh, just about every month. We do a webinar on that, and then we meet and talk about that. I also meet with another pastor every week and then meet with another pastor each month. That's my coach. And we focus on all three of these things, physical, emotional, and spiritual, and have plans on, on how and, and speak about how the, the month went. And we're much more aware of these issues and try to be proactive and uh, preventative instead of, oh, here's a blow up. Now what do we do? And hopefully you can have less of this burnout, less of this resignation. And um, we also, uh, the the synod, uh, the seminary just went through and had some papers at their symposium about this topic. And uh, in our circuit, we we're just, we're, we're looking at the book, uh, the paper on emotional. And I think Dave has some thoughts on that one too. Yeah, that was the one that I was, I uh, it was my idea to bring it because, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the ideas of what the cross training is going to do. And I look at all of that and I see that this is really something that our circuit pastor should be doing more of for all of our members. He and, should. And, and so I was just, uh, <laughs> he's looking at me with these, uh, these eyes because I'm his circuit pastor. He's like, uh, right. Anyway. What have you been doing? <laughs> So you, I, you I, you're sitting book. here talking on a podcast. Come on, <laughs> need to pray for you. What about leaders. me? What about me? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, this is all part of the effort uh, for for me as a circuit pastor to say this is something that I feel like all members of our our, our circuits, all members of our, our all pastors uh, in our synod should be addressing more of because we're, we're not really guys who are going to talk about ourselves. We're going to be talking about the ministry. That's why we're in the ministry in the first place, because we want to help others and give them Jesus. Um, but we often do that at the expense of ourselves. So so if, if it's all right with the <clears throat> the group, can we bring it back to to really, because the, the focus is, you know, am I a member? Why am I a member? And, and it's really not focusing on us, but focusing on the members around us, right? And and coming back to the verse that you had read from Ephesians six, right? I think the the encouragement that is given, the gospel encouragement that is given uh, for the body of believers who consider themselves to be a part of the church comes with that idea of stay alert. The, I mean, and I and I think this is the encouragement that that maybe our our people need. Yes, 
it's true that pastors I have all of these things. Pastors have this weight that's on them, the the, the temptations that can come. They're the balancing family and job, um, their their own physical health and their their own mental health as they try to do all of these things. But the reality that our, our all that the Lord is asking of our people, at least in this section, is be aware of it. And and I would take it a step further though is. Um, things so be aware of it but then what are you doing about it yeah we can pray about it um, but if i notice something or how how are we being proactive another really good book on this is dangerous calling uh by uh paul david trip um uh, where he he talks about that the your leadership team needs to to know what it's like to be a pastor and what they're going through and and to be preventative but then what are we doing to be preventative um the cross-trained program costs money. Is your church willing to spend money for your pastor to be in a program that is going to take care of his physical, spiritual, emotional needs? Or a, another program that our church has that we're kind of maybe revamping right now, but we have a called worker care committee. And uh, they they did some some like planning for, for anniversaries and they, they give some gifts and different things. But a, a part of the, the actual... Um, job description is also to care for them spiritually. And uh, we, we had some discussions that, you know, is, is that is that what they were doing in, in some ways? But what if you're, you're doing that as a church of saying, we really want to care about them spiritually, emotionally, and physically as a, as a, we, we're going to have these people that are designated to do this because yes, members can do that, but we're going to make sure people are doing this. And, and the truth is there, there's some people that are going to be really good at, at planning those, those parties or those activities, which are, again, important, that, that physical or even emotional, like, hey, let's recognize them in their ministry. But then there's specific people, and I know there's a couple of people at the church who they come up and it, you know, they ask how I'm doing, but it's not just the, like, hey, how's the family? Like, they really want to know, like, how are you doing? And, and you're willing to actually talk to those people and kind of open up a little bit. But to, to have some people and for your church to say, hey, we, we're going to prioritize this and say we're going to, if you have a called worker care committee, we're saying these things for our pastor are really important so that our church is functioning, so that he's functioning in the right way. I, I just wanted to just make because it's really interesting that you bring that up because I had a conversation with our, our confirmation class on uh, yesterday. And, and in that class, we were talking about um, our, uh, those people that, that the Lord provides who share the gospel, and, and that's part of his preservation, that he sends people to share the gospel. He sends people to help preserve us in our walk with him. And, and as we were talking about that, um, one of them said, uh, one of the kids said, because I, I said, even pastors struggle. And he said, but you're a pastor. And, and I just said to him, I said, but I'm not my pastor. And, and he had a hard time. Um, the one student that I had a conversation with was having a hard time grasping, but you're a pastor, but I'm not my pastor. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think that's sort of what you're saying that, that I'm not the person I, I'm not the person that speaks to myself. Right. Cause sometimes I need someone to speak it to me. And, and some of the, the, the whole issues with this is like, who does the pastor go to? When, when things are hard, normally it's your, your spouse. Uh, you, you talk about some things, but there's also things you can't talk to your spouse about. And, and it's almost, you know, with, 
confidentiality and, and being private. There's things that you, you can't and you don't want to just unload on your spouse because that's not a healthy thing either. And so, you know, yes, maybe you, you talk to a spouse, maybe you talk to a, a classmate or another pastor. Um, but are you doing that? And how often? And, and who, who is ministering to you as a pastor? Uh, and and if as as members, uh, and this is where in the book it, you know it emphasized praying, but the the other aspect of this is we can pray, but then I think in one way I can pray about them, but then in another breath I can be complaining about them and not doing anything to support them, and right. so. It's kind of like the body. You have a you you have a part that hurts, and you can say, "Lord, please take the hurt away," but then you don't do anything to help try to fix the hurt with what's provided. I think we are moving away from a model in the church of the pastor being the expert or pastor being the infallible, the uh, the stalwart. At Your the, at, churches. <laughs> <laughs> so, just the idea of the the. I, in generations past, the pastor was always, he never let any weaknesses be known because somehow somehow that would be an infringement on the pastoral ministry or on the Bible or something like that, where we're moving more to the realization of what the scriptures are, have already uh, given to us. Their scriptures are already uh, ready for us to tell us, your pastor that your pastor is needs Christ just as much as you need Christ, and you need to open up to your pastor and to confess your sins to him and take advantage of that for your own spiritual and mental health. And pastors need to open up to their circuit pastor and talk to him about their spiritual and mental health as well. So there has to be uh, bo- both sides, right. uh, both the members and the pastor, just to open up to the idea of we all need Christ. Let's let's figure out, let's not be bashful and let our own eagles keep us from receiving Christ from someone else. And maybe to bring this back to that paper from the, the, the seminary symposium, uh, he emphasizes Elijah, and 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 if you look at <laughs> prophets and and pastors, uh, the God's people in the Bible, th- they struggled emotionally. Uh, look at uh, Jeremiah and Elijah, and Elijah is just such a great example then of Elijah uh, and the the prophets of of Baal, and he wins this great victory, and you think everything's good, and then he gets like depressed and runs away, and he wants to die. He wants God to end his life. But what does God do? He he feeds him. He takes care of him physically. Then he takes care of him spiritually. He he gets him in the presence of God. He shows him his presence. And then he he shows him that he he gives him something to do and and says, There are more people who haven't bowed down. And here go anoint these people. And and this like depression or anxiety and all these other things. It's not like this is new. Uh this is this is something that God has dealt with and, and God's word deals with. Well, and I, and, and I know we need to move probably on to the next chapter, but I think just to add to this, there's an importance and an encouragement that our, our congregation should have to say to their pastors, you need to go to the circuit meetings. You need to go to the, the, the conferences <clears throat> as much as we might think I, that's just a waste of time. It's taking away from whatever else I might do. It's a time when when your pastor gets to hear God's word spoken to them. It's a time when they get to gather around and receive the sacrament just as a, a, a person, a member of the, the body of, of Christ. It's a time when when other brothers um, can gather and they can share some of the, the burden of saying, we understand what ministry is like, we understand what's been going on, and, and you can share and talk with with us about this. And I think that's an encouragement, a, a, a small step, 
that a congregation can do to say, we're looking out for you, so you need to go to these things, and we'll make it possible for that to happen. Yeah. Well said. So um, I'm ready to move on to chapter five. And I'm really interested about this because James has been really pouring a lot of energy in, into uh, equipping his congregation uh, for the seminar that's coming up. And chapter five is, I will lead my family to be healthy church members. So James, please take that away. I'll walk us through that. And so the the, the chapter, we'll, we'll begin by kind of discussing the chapter. And uh <laughs> Part part of it is uh, he he emphasizes a little bit more of the the church being a family and um, how how we we love one another and how we lead each other and how uh, the he, he uses an example of uh, uh, another man who led him and was a great model to him uh, that his father maybe wasn't that that much of a, a a model to him but this other man was and then how he saw his children were. We're faithful and, and following, and and maybe this other this other man uh, encouraged him that he was pouring himself too much into church and not helping his family, um, but but then it it really gets into the church and family, um, and uh, kind of worshiping together as a family and a little bit of of loving uh, the church as a family, and and then the the church being the bride and and the, again the the whole concept of the, the church family um, and praying together. Some of the emphasis are praying together as a family, um, going together to worship as a family. And also another emphasis is that uh, knowing your church family is going to have problems that uh, he kind of uses the picture that the more and more you get involved, the more uh, problems you see in the church. And so, you know, oh, don't get too involved. Otherwise you're going to see the problems and, and these things. And it's a note like, okay, in the same way the pastor has flaws, the church has flaws. We're a church of sinners. And so there's going to be mistakes, but we're all forgiven and we're all loved. So that's kind of the, the basis of the, the chapter. Would you say that that good summary? It is a good summary. The, I think the only thing, and, and I, you talked about it before in, in your last podcast on this, um, which I wasn't a part of because I wasn't invited. I actually, I was you invited. invited. You I didn't, didn't read, read the, the book. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to make you feel bad. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, the I glaring think, eyes. The, the one thing, though, that I, I, I think is missing in, in this chapter specifically, um, when you're talking about a healthy church members in the family, is, is, is the gathering around the sacrament together. Um, and, and, and just the idea of, of receiving from the Lord this forgiveness for you and gathering with the family of believers who confess what you confess as they receive that too, and then taking that, what you received, into your house. Um, you know, and I, I guess to me there is something, not just praying together around the table, not just bringing them to church and sitting them in the pew, but Bring your kids, maybe they can't have communion, but bring them up and see what's going on and receive a blessing from from the pastor, uh, remembrance of their baptism, that they are a part of this too, that this is for them, um, and just as it is for you. Uh, incorporating them into the beauty of what it is that is given to the church and to the body um, so that they can bring that with them when they go home and they can share that. I think a part of that is missing, and I, and I know, I guess I don't know the background of the author, um, which which might go a long way, but but it's like there's a lot of focus on prayer and a lot of focus on do, but but maybe at least for our circles, 
there should be a focus on receiving and, and, and then engaging. A lot of what we say, do this, but there's not a how or the, the power to do it, which is found in the gospel and, and found in the word. And what, what we, we find a little bit in this is the, the, the lack of, um, it, it's a little bit, the, the book's a little bit more institutional um, and focused on the church and, you know, being like, it does emphasize worshiping as a family, but then what does that mean? And what are you getting from that? Uh, and then the, the other real part of this, so the, the two passages to kind of focus on for this one, it's uh, Matthew five forty three through 48. This is where it talks about loving those around you, that the church uh, functioning in, in, a, in a healthy way uh, to, to be a healthy family. But then the other one that I kind of emphasize in the, the family aspect goes back to Deuteronomy 4, where this was, this was like the motto of the, the Jewish church and the, the Old Testament believers. This is who, who God was um, and what the, the Lord um, you know, wanted to, to do and, and, and pass on. You know, uh, he passed on the word, but then the encouragement was to, to, to teach it to your children uh, and to, to bind it uh, on, on all you know, the doorposts and, you know, um, it, this, this was the job of the family uh, to pass on to, to their kids. And I think the struggle that we have now as, as anything grows from a small organization, a small kind of family feel, as it gets more concrete and more institutional, more of the job is handed off to the institution. Uh, more of the things come, become more formal and are less responsibilities or less things asked to the family. And, and what, what effects does that have? And what, I think what we see is sometimes fam- we're, we're doing a good job of educating kids and teaching them the Bible and giving them the, the gospel, but how are the families? How healthy are the families? And I think one thing that we're seeing is like divorce numbers used to be that um, non-Christian families had a much higher divorce rate than uh, Christian families. But now I think they're pretty equal. So, so I'm, I'm just going to ask this question because I, 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 I kind of like where you're going and I agree with where you're going. But I guess my question is, does the problem lie... It's multifaceted, maybe. Does the problem lie with our schools and with our institutions, or does the problem lie with the parents who have made it a choice not to engage? It's a good question, but I, I think it has to be that the parents who aren't engaged. Now, you know, is is there things that the school can do better? Maybe, but, you know, the school's educating and, and doing it. And I think there's plenty of parents who are involved like send their kids to, to grade schools and are involved. And so it's not always just the, the, the school because the, the Christian day schools are a blessing for sure. And I think we see that more and more in our current culture where schools are <laughs> teaching a very different thing. I think one of the greatest stats or researches on this, and I, I don't have the exact numbers, but this um, uh, survey or, or study has been going around and it, it surveyed and, and said who, what children are sticking around into, say, like their 20s and 30s after college. 
and it showed non Lutheran day school kids had like a, a 33, somewhere around that percentage of staying in the church after that in, in the 20s, 30s. And then the, the increase of those who were um, part of a Christian day school only increased a little bit. Um, it was like 35, 37 maybe. But then if mom is involved, that increased to about 50%, I believe it was. But then the, this is very striking. If dad was involved... And, and this is uh, one of the key points that, what does that mean to be involved? Uh, to be modeling what it means to be a Christian, to, to be doing devotions at home, to be discussing the Bible, and to maybe, you know, what a lot of what we're talking about is serving in the church, but not serving reluctantly, but to be serving and, and living, <laughs> taking in the gospel, taking in the means of grace, and discussing it and, and being a part of your family. That number of them being involved and still in the church into their 20s and 30s went up, I think it was between 80 and 85%. And I've, I've read a statistic very similar to that that had that, that same type of numbers. And again, I can't tell you which one they were, but <clears throat> but I think that comes into you know Deuteronomy 4, 6, where it says, keep them, put them into practice, because in this way, your wisdom and your understanding will be recognized by all people who hear about all the statutes, right? And they hear about these things. And and I and and I think there is an important thing. I've noticed it in the church that that the families that are in church regularly when they have like a a birth in the family, they're the ones that are I can't wait to get their children baptized. They can't wait to get that ball rolling. The ones that are are sparing in coming to church or or even worse than that hardly ever come to church. Um, it's not a pressing thing to them. It's, it's, if we can get to it or if we're hounded and we have to, cause grandma and grandpa want it done. Um, but I, I, I think there is something to be said about retaining a bad word, maybe encouraging a healthy church family it has everything to do with the father and the mother coming and saying, this is a place we want to be. And we enjoy being here. And and maybe that sermon didn't strike me because not every sermon strikes me because, let's face it, not every sermon is the best sermon a pastor preaches. And even the best ones that we think we hit might have fallen flat. But but the family can go and say, let's take let's take it apart as a family. Let's discuss the good things. Let's let's say, yeah, yeah, maybe pastor overshot there a little bit, but yeah, that's okay. You know, instead of railing on the pastor and every time he comes home from service, the, the family saying, I hated that song. And can you believe we're using that old liturgy again? And, and how dare pastor walk around instead of stand in the pulpit or, you know, the, the case goes on. I mean, what's it training your children? Dad goes cause he has to go, but he complains every step of the way. And it, and it really goes back to the, the, some of the earlier points that he makes, which are really good to be, a functional church member to be serving and then to be a unifying church member, to be being positive, to not be gossiping, to be building up the church. And so if you're, you're doing these things, then your kids are going to see that. And, and it's all about modeling. You can say all you want to your kids about do this, do this, do this. Um, a, a good example in, in life right now is, you know, technology. How do I use technology? And I can tell my kids, you know, don't be on your phone. Don't watch this. Don't do this. But if I'm constantly on my phone, my kids see that and they're going to model that or the language you use. Don't say that word, but if you're <laughs> using those words, what you model says a whole lot more than what you tell them to do. Right. And, and so I think this is, that's, a, that's a key aspect. 
the, I think the other part of it though is, is how can the church help in this? Because one of the things we don't want to do is, is burden and, and, and people are really busy. So does that mean, okay, yes, we want, you know, what portion of our membership is in Bible study? Cause that, that's, that's a good question. You know, we, we have 250, 300 on good days of people in church, but then in a week, how many are in Bible study? Um, and, and it's not so much just, okay, drop your kids off at Sunday school too. But then it's again, you being in Bible study, but then how can we encourage you to be in the word at home and, and discussing and being part, uh, bringing the word in home and, and making it, making it uh, applicable and uh, real to their world. Because if they're just coming to church and hearing it and they say, okay, that's fine. But does this relate to my life? And when I get out into college, what does this mean? And, and can I have open conversations with my parents that are spiritual? Can I ask them questions? Can they answer? Or if they don't know, they say, well, let me, let, let's talk about this. Let me ask the pastor. Let's look into this. Well, and I, and I think a lot of that goes in, 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 from the church perspective, I think we've done a disservice to our members in the sense of saying um, that coming to a formalized Bible study at the church is the only way that you're going to learn about the Bible. Um, and now I'm, I, I say that with a grain of salt. I love teaching Bible study. I think it's amazing to be able to do that, and I love those conversations. But let's be honest, Word and Sacrament Ministry has held the church together for its conception. Um, so ever since the Lord has said, I'm going to serve my people, word and sacrament ministry has been the key. Now, the other disservice I think the church has done in, 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 in someone leading down the road of, of the formalized Bible study is we've taken away the ability of, of our families to wrestle with the scriptures. And I think that's kind of where maybe you're right. going is, is how do we reclaim that or, yeah, in, in a way, reclaim it and, and encourage Yes, I'll be here as a sounding board. If you're like, whoa, I'm way off the rails, I think. Yes, talk to me, please. But wrestle with the scriptures. You you, you know, uh, I had one pastor say to me one time, he hated, hated, hated um, self-study Bibles. And, and I said, why? And he says, because it removes people from having to wrestle with the scriptures themselves. And I don't know if I would go that far. But, but I can understand what he's saying is that, is that you know, when people, when, when you're reading the scriptures and you look down and there's a bigger explanation on the bottom and, and then people are like, that must be what it is because it was in my self-study Bible, instead of them reading it and saying, let's, let's talk about this as a family. You know, how, you know how is, what is the Lord saying about himself? What is the Lord saying about us in this? Um, and I, I love where you're going is how do you encourage that in the family outside of the church surround? How does that, how does that work? Yeah, like what? Maybe this would be for our, our listeners to, to chime in on Facebook or sending us an email. What would be your idea to help the church engage the family at home? And maybe we can talk a little bit here about what are some of the ideas that we're thinking of to try to engage the fam- engage the word of God, the means of grace at home. And, and then I, I think another part is getting youth and helping them be involved in the church. Not you're the future of the church, but you can be involved now. And, and getting them active, because again, it's being a functional men- member. And so service is a huge thing, not a, as a burden, but getting them, them active. And then uh, one, one thing that our, our church is going to try out, and, and 
the the hope on this is again it's something to do at home and and part of this goes to the fact that usually if you have healthy church um healthy families healthy christian families you're going to have a healthier church if you have struggling families your church is maybe going to struggle so we're we're doing uh, a devotional called the the meaning of marriage it's a devotional that's every day of the year and we're we're going to uh, walk people through it where we'll maybe give some prompts and some questions at the end but we're signing up lots of people and and they're going to do it at home with their spouse and so it's not something, hey, I have to come to this Bible study, uh, but this is a short little uh, devotional I can do in the morning, I can do at night, and I'm talking with my spouse. And because that's sometimes a hard thing. Uh, some people don't know how to do it or haven't done it. And so how do I do a devotion with my, my spouse? And, and maybe, again, this is another way to model for your kids or to, hey, I'm doing this devotional. Maybe it's something to talk about with my kids or getting people started with devotional life at home. Uh, and, and maybe they do meditations, which is great. Uh, but to, to have it maybe be a little bit more interactive. Sure. Yeah. I was, I was going to say for myself, this is one area where I would like to pursue it more. I think I have, I've, I've, uh, um, toyed with the idea. I know on, on our social media, I have been posting when my wife and I do devotions. Every I've, once mi- in a while. I've missed those actually yeah. of late. Like, like just, Hey, this is, this is what we're doing. Now we're we're doing the Advent devotions and and to be honest we're like three days behind so now it's I feel that's why you haven't been posting. <laughs> yeah, I was just you like, don't want to make you right. know, I'm guilty because I haven't done it. Yeah, <laughs> I got a pride too. I have an ego too. So anyway, um, but anyway, what's important about devotions is not whether you do it every day, but that you keep going right. at it and you you do something. Um, it, with my wife and I, I know there was at least a couple of years where we stopped praying together just because we were so busy, the kids were real young and we brought it back and just how much, yes. And I, and bringing it back reminded me just how awkward it was to do it in the first place. And so for part of me was like, how can I, how can we model this so that people don't, yes. So that people can see that it's weird, but one, but two, they can also see this is actually a good thing uh, for, for us to do with our wives. So that would be, that would be my contribution for an idea of how to bring it into the family. I was thinking on the way down here as well, just the idea of we've got those meditation books like at Emmanuel, that's a big thing. Like I, that shocked me when I got here, when I put meditations out and it's like, well, nobody's ever going to grab these and you know, they're gone. And, uh, Oh, people are actually reading these. And for me as a pastor to say, you know what, I should somehow use part of my ministry to help go through the meditations. Maybe, uh, one of your members will he always posts every day he's got a picture of the he takes a picture of the meditations and i was thinking what if there's some way that we can capitalize on that for families or for um for our members and i think meditations is a good example uh, maybe these are a few things that to encourage people to do at home uh the your time of grace videos uh there's a lot of uh people that use those and there's some family ones uh there's a night i think someone that happened at night and uh, so those are a good short thing, and some people like videos, and you can do that with your family. Uh, then the other one that I think to encourage to is I know the Wells has a new family uh, devotional, and they have different questions for different age groups. Yeah, it was really and, we did that with our families. It's really good. So maybe we can link some of that stuff in because that family. I, I think it's key to to be able to have different questions for different age groups, and 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 this is a great help because as again as, as a you know father that's not trained to have some helps to to ask pointed questions to different age groups is is really helpful. 
And, and just one other thing that uh, our men's study that we do on Monday nights, one of the things that we started doing at the end of study was we'd, we'd share blessing challenge and then we'd pray and we'd pray for each other. And one of the reasons I really like it is because you've seen, I've seen how the, the leaders and the, the men that come have grown in their prayer life. Because the first couple times, and, and we don't requ- you don't have to pray for uh, others if you're not comfortable or don't want to do it. But I, I wonder a little bit, how much do non-pastors pray out loud? How much do our, our members at home pray for each other out loud? And if you haven't done it, it's scary. And you, you don't, it, it's, it's hard to do at first. And so if we can encourage that, enable people, and, and to pray at home, yes, maybe you pray the Lord's Prayer, that's good. But are you praying for each other? Are you praying out loud? And yes, you can pray to God quietly, but are you praying together as a family, as a, as a father and, and a mother? Are you praying for your kids? Are you praying together? And it's not just the job of the pastor or, you know, pastor, can you pray for us? Well, I can, but you can pray. And if we're going back to prayer, but what's going to really encourage you in this and, and fuel your prayer is devotions. When, when we talk about this all, and again, with the men's study is it follows being in the word. And so you're going to have a healthier prayer life when you're in the word and God's talking to you and I'm going to talk back and, and I'm not going to just talk about my problems or all these other things, but I'm going to be filled with the gospel. So just to throw this out here too, since we're, we're giving some suggestions <clears throat> and there are some people that, that maybe it's the reading thing is, is kind of a. Maybe we don't have time. Maybe we're in the car and we want to listen to something. Um, a good, wonderful resource, um, and I have used it in my own family as we drive in the car, um, is from 1517, and they have a podcast, and they have family-style theology uh, where it kind of is, is it's a family, and, you know, how we bring theology down to the family, which is a, a good one. They also had on their um, Hidden Streams, which is just simple devotions on the Psalms to teach us to pray. Uh, which would be a wonderful, wonderful one for the family. So those are just a couple that I had kind of, I've used before, and they're they're not long, but they're they're just good for maybe spurring some conversation in the car while you're driving. And and a uh, one more plug or one more suggestion that I, I've uh, for maybe people new in the Bible or people in their teens and twenties and thirties. Um, I I think uh, Pastor Novotny at the the core in um, and. St. Peter's in, in um, Appleton, they have podcasts and their uh, sermons online. He, he does a lot of um, sermon series on, on current topics, and he's also a very gifted preacher. Uh, I know a lot of pastors listen to him. <laughs> and uh, that uh, I think those are some topics and, and things that if you have maybe some older kids, uh, some uh, college students, that uh, they, they talked about abortion and abuse and God and gay and transgender, um, and and all very very well done. Uh, so an, another encouragement of sure. resources. Well, not to not to continue to move us along, but we're getting you know close to the hour mark, and we still have one more chapter left. And this is probably the big chapter, right? This well, is... we've actually brought it up before, as this one should have been the one that was first. Yeah, this one was the one that. Should but it's have been, last. But it's last, and the topic is. I am a. I can't I believe I'm the one keeping you on track. I, yeah, that is a rare moment. I, I'm still in shock. I got it. I will treasure <laughs> church membership as a gift. And do you want to explain a little bit of why it should be? Well, well this was your. Yeah, what, uh, it was my idea, I guess. But 
the whole the whole point of Christianity is that it's a gift. Uh, it's the gospel. Uh, I think you know maybe to end with a bang, um, but I don't know. Do you want me to get the music queued up? <laughs> no, I'm, that's no. that's it. I'm saying his book. Oh, uh, sure. His book. He ends it. But we were saying you should start with this. You should start with what enables us, and that church membership is a gift. And I know he kind of summarizes, you know, that okay, it's not a country club, uh, and and this is the key. One of the the good sections of scripture on this is Ephesians two, um, and you know, wh- one of the words, the passage I would focus on is is, uh, is verse eight. Uh, indeed, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can b- boast. But then uh, you can c- continue a little bit. For we are God's workmanship, created in G- Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance so that we would walk in them. Like, that's discipleship. This is being a church member. This is, I'm saved, I'm redeemed, all by the gospel. It's free. Now I'm free to love and serve. And it's not a requirement. It, th- then you release everything from a work righteousness law motivation because you've set it down that grace is the key, that I'm forgiven, I'm loved, I'm going to make mistakes. And and all of my my reaction, all of my serving uh, is what God works in me, but it's only enabled by God's grace and forgiveness. Well, I, and I think it, it really picks up on the idea that that when we look at the church and we look at, at at what it is that it does, it's outside of ourself. It's not inside of ourself. Um, it's not about my likes and my desires and my wants. And and I, you know, this is exactly how I want it to be. But it's it's what's presented free of charge. It is what's presented to you for your benefit. Um, and and the idea. Of maybe not so much in a law way of saying, well, I have to, I have to accept it because this is what I was given, but more in the in the sense of, um, I get to have it, and I didn't know I needed it, right? Um, you know, I hated when Grandma gave me socks, but then when you looked at the bottom of your socks and the ones you're wearing have holes in them, you, you needed socks, um, and it's it's a wonderful gift. And and a passage that we we added to to kind of emphasize this is in in Matthew uh, eighteen starting in twenty one. It's about the unmerciful servant, and 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 this can be a little law orientated, but it's really emphasizing the gospel of how much we're forgiven. And this is the they're talking about how much should we forgive, right? And and uh, he's saying, oh, there's this you know this uh, this this king, uh, and and the servant has this this huge debt. Uh, and there's no way for him uh, to pay it back, and he's going to be arrested, and and he's going to throw his family into prison, and 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 there's no way for him to work it off. And and the, the master calls him in, and 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 he forgives this huge debt, and the the numbers at that time, like you transfer it today, and it's just millions. It's 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 impossible to work back, and he forgives it. He he gives it, takes it all away, and what does the master the the servant do? He goes out and instead of like jumping for joy and, and running down the streets and, you know, kissing everyone and, oh, yay, you know, he goes out and finds this other guy who owes him five bucks and he, he like beats him up and he's, he's like, you give me what you owe me. And, and, you know, and he's so unthankful. He, he's not seeing the gift that he's been given of forgiveness and peace and love and he's taking it out and he's making it all about him and what he needs. And this is really what it's all about is when we make being a member about me and what I need and what I deserve 
and this person, like he's wronged me or I didn't get my way in church or, or we're not doing the thing, the way things are, or, you know, the church is really emphasizing these people and they're not thinking about me or the, the pastor forgot to, to visit this person and I'm unable to forgive. I'm unable to love others and I'm unable to see how God has loved and forgiven me and therefore I can love and forgive and serve in a free way. That's the whole point of all of this. Well, and I think you can even go so far as the, the sinful part of me is I'm forgiven, therefore, since I'm forgiven and I'm dearly loved, it should be my way, um, right? You know, and, and that's the opposite side, that sometimes we just don't think far enough to say I'm, I'm part of a body. Um, and there are times when a certain part of the body maybe needs more attention because it's hurting or because it's whatever, um, but that's not all the time. And, and I think it goes a long way for our church members to, to come to terms with, you know, there's going to be a time where maybe this worship service isn't my favorite, but it's the favorite of somebody else, and I want them to be here, and this is good. Um, and, and I'm not saying that we do that all the time, because then you're neglecting, but, but that, that, that understanding of the variety of, of, of the gifts that God has given um, to the variety of people that God has called um, and, and, and the ultimate gift that is still there and present through it all. I, I think that is a huge thing for, for our members to, um, maybe come to terms with and, and to see, and, and maybe even now, uh, with our, in our Lutheran churches, with the transition, with a new, a, a new hymnal, <laughs> it's a good opportunity for us to maybe look at this and say, yeah, we have, we have new gifts, right? We have a new gift, but the ultimate gift is, is right here. It, it hasn't changed, but it's not common service page 15. No, no, it's not. It's, it's the service setting one page 100, whatever it is. Um, it's different, but it's, but, but the ultimate gift is here for you. And, and we don't have to use it all the time, but we could use it and we'll grow to love it. Just like we grew to love page 15 and, and service of word and sacrament or whatever. You know, those are some things that that maybe with a gentle heart, um, we can slowly work our way into that. All right. Well, are you have any closing thoughts uh, yeah, or I, I think going? Just to, to summarize just a little bit of uh, maybe our review of the book and things that I think there's a lot of benefit of this book and, and what it gives. I think the things that we would emphasize is uh, to have a little bit more focus on the gospel and the, and the gospel motivation and then emphasizing the word and sacrament. And then we would move that uh, sixth point up to number one uh, and that you're enabled and, and motivated by the gospel in doing all this. And in, in all the changes and in, in all the, the things that a, a church goes through and, and all the struggles, if, if you have a little bit more gospel uh, and you're able to forgive and, and love and, and uh, kind of two of the things, um, one I heard, uh, one, someone once said, I, I love Christianity, but that whole forgiveness thing, I, I struggle with that. Christianity is all about forgiveness. And so that means in your church and forgiving uh, other members, forgiving your pastor and forgiving yourself. And, and it's all about forgiveness, but it's also all about grace. And some people think, oh, I get into the church. It's all about grace getting into church. And then I don't really need the gospel. I don't need the grace. It's about what I do. No, it's still about grace. It's still being uh, motivated by grace and the gospel and then giving that grace and gospel to others. And so if if we can do that, uh, our, our new little seminar that we're going to 
um, have. It's, it's called uh, partner, Partners in the Gospel. And so as we partner, as we share the gospel with others, inside our church, outside our church, as, as we work on that, it's not just the pastor's job. It's, it's your job. It's your job to, to be, not job, but a blessing, to be in the word and, and to, to bring a peace to yourself, to your family, to those you're around you who, who will grow in the gospel and, and have this peace that the world cannot give. Well, thank you very much, James, for being with us. Uh, Will is giving me the eyes that tells me that I'm going to wrap it up. And uh, so the question that we asked ourselves, does Christianity, does church membership still matter? And of course it does because of the gift that we have in Christ. Because what we have in Christ gives us real life, a life that is joyful in service to our neighbor, a life that is living, a living faith, not some, a faith that is not that we defend or protect, but a faith that we live that has an impact in our, in our churches and in our communities. So thank you very much for joining us today on Casting Nets. Hope to have you on here again, James. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you.